This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons for that. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good, Adam. How are you going? Going well, thank you. Mm. Hey, Thomas, a lot of love for last week's episode. Uh, mm. That was the one where a listener asked, uh, I think you, it's fair to say, uh, what's one thing you'd change about the economy uh, turns out a lot of people liked your uh, your rant about making mortgages illegal. Mm. Uh, so that's exciting. If you did enjoy it, why not share that episode uh, with a friend or colleague and spread the CVE love and stop hogging it all for yourself. So yeah, I guess uh, that's some original thinking of yours, Thomas. Uh, I'm not sure where we go from here. I'd I'm interested to hear your views on folding versus scrunching toilet paper, for example. <laughs> I think that would be that's probably a logical next step. I do have a few hot takes on that. <laughs> I did. I did notice that a couple of people emailed in and said they wanted to know what you'd change about the economy <laughs> if you had the chance. Uh, I'm glad you asked, Thomas. Oh, finally, 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 people out there, are, are, they're, they're, they've skimmed the surface and now they want to really yeah. dive in. Um, so, well. Look, this might surprise you, Thomas, but for me, I would I'd tackle tax reform. <laughs> come on, it might come. Well, out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hear me yeah. out. Hear me All out. Right. right. Yeah. Well, there's got. there's a luxury car tax. I found out. Right. Not mm-hmm. because I'm in the market for one. So there's a luxury car tax, and I was thinking. We've already split the CPI basket of goods, right, which we've learned on this show. We've already split the goods into essential essential and discretionary. Mm -hmm. Discretionary? Discretionary. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm wondering why don't don't we can't, why we couldn't just extend something like the luxury car tax into like a luxury goods tax and apply a tax to discretionary luxury goods over a certain value. Now, the reason I'm thinking about Uh all this uh is because Anna and I recently celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary, Mm -hmm. happy anniversary, love you, and I thought I'd get her something nice. So I Uh went to the jewellery store and I thought I might buy her a bracelet and I thought I had no idea what to expect price-wise, right? I thought probably 10-year anniversary, I I thought a few hundred dollars should get me something nice. Turns out a few hundred dollars gets you not much in the uh-huh. jewelry shop. As soon as I mentioned hundreds, they weren't even letting their own staff help me anymore. They were just getting other customers <laughs> to see if they had anything <laughs> secondhand that they were looking to offload. <laughs> really? 
<laughs> just ushering me to the back of the store to show me some some high quality zirconias. But the the thing was, uh. I was blown away by the price of jewelry in the jewelry mm-hmm. store, like a diamond bracelet, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Twenty to thirty thousand dollars in some cases for a diamond bracelet. Wow! Right? Okay. And I'm thinking. We're in like a cost of living crisis. People are struggling to pay rent, struggling to do all sorts of things to make ends meet. I figure if you've got (laughs) $30,000 to spend on a bracelet, then we could probably tax that somehow and then take the proceeds from the tax and put it towards something like, I don't know, something more worthwhile like public housing, hospitals, podcasts, etc. I don't know. I'm keen to get your thoughts. Could we... Take the luxury goods tax, a luxury uh, car tax, Mm. and instead of a car, we say if you're going to spend fifty thousand dollars on a Rolex, make it one percent. Right, that's five hundred bucks that goes back into the kitty, and we say any money that we make from that, we just spend on worthwhile endeavors to help people. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, look, I'm just going to guide you to the back to the (laughs) chat room. We're going to have a chat to some of the listeners. I want to spend my time on that one. I value value you, yeah, but thanks. might let someone else handle that one. Well, we talked about this a little bit a couple. Of, I was thinking about it because a couple of weeks ago we were talking about boomers, right, and their spending yeah, habits. Yeah. I talked. That, I talked to Dad today actually, and he, he's, <laughs> he 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 reflected that that was exactly right. He's spending up. Is he? Yeah, yeah. He's he's not slowing down. He's not been having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and so if Dad's out buying jewelry and stuff mm. and buying fancy things, discretionary mm. fancy things that he doesn't really need, mm. why can't we tax those things? We know we we've got a definition for essential versus discretionary. Mm, yes, it's a, I mean it's a statistical definition. Perfect. That's all we need. Stop. Don't overthink it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I mean, okay, okay. Let's let's assume we can do that. I think that's mm. right. I mean, one, but but one, like as we're saying in the spending data, discretionary is already already tanking. Mm. Your base shrinks as your economy is shrinking, which is no. But discretionary is shrinking because people can't afford it, right? Yeah. So the people that can't afford discretionary anymore, they're already mm. stopping their spending. The problem oh, is, okay, yeah, yeah, there's a yeah. bunch of people who are not affected by. Mm. Tack by interest rate rises and all the mm. other things that we're doing to curb inflation, mm. people are not affected by that. So mm. how do we kind of skim a bit off the top mm. of what they're doing? And we say, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. if you're out buying a $50,000 Rolex at the moment yeah, yeah. then or a $50,000 bracelet, whatever it is, then yeah. we're going to tax you a little bit for that because yeah, yeah. you're kind of having a good time while everyone's having a really bad time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what you're describing is a progressive taxation system um, progressive in the sense that the more you earn, the more you pay, or the richer you are, the more you pay. Typically, that progressiveness is built in at the income tax level. So the more you earn, the more you pay. I guess you could go over and tax it, have luxury goods at certain things. Are you, are you talking like as a cyclical management tool? Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're trying to manage the cycle. You're not just having it in there all the time. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It might be so temporary. Go, so it goes up and down. So the RBA gets together and says, okay, tax on <laughs> anniversary jewellery this week's going up to 12% <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. Because income doesn't work, right? Income doesn't work because, well, because 
the boomers and whatever, they don't they don't have an income. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're just <clears throat> they just don't have any expenses in mm, the same way mm. that other people have got mm. rents and mortgages. They've yeah, paid off yeah. their house. They have got mm. superannuation, and yeah. you know anyone who's in that who's in that really good yeah. financial position and is out spending at this mm. kind of time. Mm. Mm. Exorbitantly, you know, like don't don't tax a new new Nokia from the servo. <laughs> like that's a clearly clearly an essential. That's a phone that you need. But if you buy the yeah, top yeah, level, yeah, yeah. if you buy like the gold plated iPhone that's made in Saudi yeah, Arabia yeah, or yeah. whatever it is for forty yeah, thousand yeah, dollars, then I think there should be some sort of tax that could be applied to that and say, mm. well, that's a that's a lavish spending. Yeah. That goes against what we're all trying to collectively yeah, yeah, achieve yeah. here. Some people are skipping meals. It's not really cool for mm. you to be, yeah, blowing, <laughs> getting yeah, some yeah. new blink, spending a house deposit on it. Yeah, mm. I, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm mm. like, yeah, anything to make the system right. more progressive. I'm all about, yeah, ship it. <laughs> Let's go. I didn't. I didn't end up buying oh, any jewelry. Right. By the way, I just just went with a bottle of wine and a Hague's peppermint <laughs> chocolate frog. Um, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and, I, and I took a bit of each because after 10 years I've learned that marriage is about give and take. <laughs> and so <laughs> I gave uh, and I took. Uh, all right, look, we're, we're going to get into today's show. Massive show coming up. As always, house prices are crashing and New Zealand is in a recession, forcing the All Blacks to officially rebrand as the All Reds <laughs> until things get back on track. <laughs> To work from home or not to work from home, that is the question again. Is your stream still strong a month on from Netflix's <laughs> password sharing crackdown? <laughs> but first, Thomas, you know I loves me some economics jargon. You've got not one or two but three new jargons mm, for us. Mm. What's the first one? Yeah, well, the first one is a duck market, which I hadn't heard before. <laughs> But so <laughs> sounds like uh, sounds like autocorrect gone wrong again. <laughs> some some angry investor. You know what? My Duck market. markets. I'm yeah, sick of them. Yeah. yeah. No. So we don't, so we got bear markets and bull markets. So we just came with the S and P 500 in the US has just entered a bull market. It's now up 20 percent since it's it troughed back in October 2022. Ooh. October. Yeah, October yeah, so the bear market's over and we're now in a bull market. Um, right. Yeah, and an interesting, I threw an interesting stat. C- CNN has a fear and greed index. It's hit extreme greed on Thursday. You know what would help that? Tax yeah. on luxury goods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And bub- bubbly stocks. What does the fear and greed index ah. work on? I mean, what are we measuring there? What are we talking about? How greedy people are in terms of acquiring yeah, stocks, is, buying yeah, stocks? Yeah, is, is it a good time to buy? Is it a good time to sell? Right. Kind of kind of thing. I don't, I don't know too much about it, but yeah. <laughs> Where mm. is he now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at how that worked out for him. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, so we should be fearful then by that logic. Well, I mean, I think, that, I think that's, a, that's a reasonable take. I mean, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's an interesting market. I mean, it's interesting mm. for a couple of reasons. One, like bull markets normally coincide with economic expansions, not contractions. And we're sort of, the US economy still looks like it's on track towards at least a mild recession or 
you know, something pretty close to it, even if they don't technically get there. Mm. Yeah. So that's sort of interesting. But the other thing is, it's interesting is it's just how unbalanced it is. Like it's still all tech and all AI. Mm. So it's really like, it's a kind of a dot-com, people are kind of starting to compare it to the dot-com boom or dot-com bubble. Yeah. And so that's what's led Kevin Gordon, who's the senior investment strategist at Swab. Um, he's saying it's a dark market, I mean that, that it looks nice and calm on the surface, but uh, there's a lot of frantic paddling going on beneath the surface. Right. I thought he might have meant that the duck market was that it was starting to show some quacks. Cool. <laughs> 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 there's a quality Sorry. pun. You don't, get, you don't get puns like that on any other podcast. <laughs> 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 yeah. Sorry. yeah, yeah. So, so um, I do apologise for that one. It was terrible. No, you don't. Mm. You love no, it. No, I do. Some are good. That one wasn't particularly good. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's saying, yeah, so this, just just unbalanced. So like, yeah, everyone else is struggling. Everyone else is struggling with the earnings recession. Mm. Yeah, rate hikes are uh, hammering consumers. That's cut, They're cutting back on spending. So you, your basic consumer exposed corporation is, is struggling a bit and, and barely ticking along. But then tech, tech and AI, it's uh, it's booming. Mm. So, like that's our duck market. Okay, so that's duck market. Um, what's the, well, the next, next one? one? Is the greedflation cycle? Greedflation. Um, okay. Greedflation. Have you heard this one before? No. So I mean, I've heard a lot of flations before on this show. Yeah, that's true. We have covered a lot of flations. Stagflation, shrinkflation. Mm. A lot of flations. Mm-hmm. And greedflation. Yeah, yeah. So Albert Edwards at Society General, who's kind of yeah. Does a lot of great writing, a lot of great mm. thinking, um, but he, yeah, but he's making the point, which is sort of made elsewhere, that when you, when you break down where the where inflation has come from mm. and and the the component parts, you can kind of break it down into wages and sort of pro- uh, profits. That's that's what that's what creates prices. Right. So if prices go up, either the costs go up. Which either 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 the cost of your components, your wages bill, or your profits—that's what makes up a price. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's say yes. Yeah, let's say yes. And so if you look at wages, wages aren't going anywhere. They're not. Mm. They're sort of up a bit, but they're not really contributing to prices. And saying what uh, companies have done in recent times is they've used um, COVID to rebuild profit margins and profit margins have gone up and that's what pushed, that's what has pushed prices up on top of the sort of the cost, put the cost of components. There's also been a margin rebuild. So, pro- so companies are taking more profits, mm. increasing prices, increasing their margins. Um, and that's what's driving, that's part of the prices story. And he calls that greedflation or that's been called greedflation. Right. Um, and so, and this is interesting in the Australian context, like even the RBA's Philo was out recently saying, you know, wages are a problem. We've got to make sure wages don't get out of hand, but it's not wages that are driving prices. It's, mm. To, like particularly in Australia, it's, it's really well the the energy sector sort of really skews the results on that. But yeah, to some extent, and that's not, not I'm sure it's even a bad thing that the companies have seen the writing on the wall, they've seen where the economies are going, and, and they've taken the opportunity to rebuild margins. Are some people cashing in on like because that happens too, doesn't it? Like are they cashing in on inflation and the inflation story and just going, you know, we could like our prices are going mm, up because of yeah. inflation. Why don't yeah. we add a bit extra? Everyone's kind of everyone's okay with the concept and and yeah. kind of accepting of higher prices in this climate. Yeah, so why don't yeah, we just yeah. add a bit extra? Add a bit of fat. I think that's right. They can they can get away with it. So so they are doing it. 
Because no one's going to call out a company at the moment and go, mm. "Can't believe you're rising, you're raising your prices." Mm, mm. Everyone, and because every company just have the same stance, they go, "Inflation, mm. deal with it." Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, they're doing that, and it's also you know it's good business practice because we are moving into a, like potentially a recession. Mm. It's good to build up your, your your cash buffers to protect yourself against that. So mm. you know, it's rational companies being rational in the with the current settings, but it does give us our greedflation, and it does give us what. Edwards called it a greedflation cycle. And he's saying because they're increasing their margins and increasing profits, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not responding to the downturn in spending by mm. cutting jobs. So, so that's why uh, you look at the developed economies and unemployment's very low. So they're not, they're not cutting jobs because they've got the, the, this profit buffer. But it's really the, when companies cut jobs and unemployment goes up, when you really get a, a recession, like a full not just a technical recession, but a mm. full-throated recession. Um, and saying falling profits typically precede recessions. And sort of the consequence of that is that we're not going to see rate hike relief until we hit profits, until profits start to fall. And when, when profits fall, unemployment will go up. And that's when our economy slows and that's when our prices come down. Mm. So we need to sort of break that greedflation cycle before central banks will need to see that breaking before they they can take their they can they can relax and stop hiking rates. But that might not happen for a while because because of their the profit margins boosting and yeah they're able to hold they're not they're not cutting staff like they normally do in a recession. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. So independent economist Tarek Brooker um, coined this phrase saying it's um. Yeah, Australia's in a burnout. We're a burnout economy. Basically, we've got one yeah, foot on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one foot on the accelerator, one foot on the brake. The brake is the RBA with rate hikes, and mm. then on the accelerator side, we've got an immigration program running at record levels. Mm. And that's sort of that strong population growth. So, Comsex chief economist Craig James said that strong population growth creates the risk of strong spending outpacing supply of goods and services, leading to higher prices and higher interest rates. Um, so the, the idea there is that you've you've got strong population growth through immigration, even if per capita spending falls, because you've got total capita total the totals rising, total demand facing producers in the economy is is the same or always going up, and that mm. means you're not getting that reduction in earnings and reduction in profits, which creates that unemployment, which creates that. Um, recession and breaks the back of inflation mm. and so yeah so ba basically we, yeah to burn out economy foot on the brake foot on the accelerator right and and this is true even after we stop making holdings in adelaide this is Right, Thomas, heading across the ditch now and what's going on in New Zealand? Yeah, well, New Zealand last week is in recession, officially got that yeah. second quarter of uh, negative growth, mm -hmm. um, according to Stats NZ. Shout out to Stats NZ. We've got like the boring Australian Bureau of Statistics. New Zealand is <laughs> just Stats NZ. Statsons. <laughs> 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 I think that's how the, that's Stetsons. how they like you to say it. Yeah, right. That makes where more where sense. do you work? I work for Stats and yeah. So, what's the March quarter was Cyclone affected? So, I had Cyclone Gabriel uh, in February. Mm. So that did impact on things, but definitely things are slowing. Conf consumer consumption is down. Consumer confidence is at recessionary, recessionary levels. Mm. That's leading to a rise in business credit defaults. Credit defaults are up thirteen percent year on year. So businesses, consumer facing businesses, are starting to struggle in New Zealand. What, what does that tell us about 
Australia or anything because I like for a long time or the last in the at mm. least in the last few years mm. New Zealand's been a bit of a canary in the coal mine hasn't it yes for yeah, Australia well, yeah. about what's about to happen yeah they really led the way through covid in all mm. things um the property market property market launched ahead of Australia's then the RBNZ started hiking rates well ahead of the rest of the world they had a good uh, prime minister before we did yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who's since quit. Since, um, yeah, well, nothing good lasts forever. Mm, um, yeah, and then their their property market was the first to turn and, and fall. So, yeah, right. so it is interesting. It is It does make you wonder, is this is this where Australia is heading? Mm. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, they're, they're, they've hiked rates now like a full 5.25% since September, so like a re- super aggressive hike, hiking cycle. Yeah. And But for all that, inflation is still at 6.7%, so still tracking pretty much the similar to the Australian profile. So inflation's, you know, on its way down, sort of, but it's not coming down very fast. Mm. So that's got to be a bit concerning. So you mentioned house prices. What's what's happening? Because house prices in Australia have taken a turn for the up, haven't they? Uh, they yeah, we, yeah, they're on they their way up. They heading up. So what about New Zealand? Well, they're still falling, still falling. Yeah, yeah, mm. still falling. So they're now down, nationally down 18% from, from their peak oh. last November. Auckland's down 23%, Wellington's down 26%. Yeah, from mm. everywhere from Taranaki to Bay of Plenty, it's all all <laughs> deeply negative. I think they changed the name of Bay of Plenty to Bay of just a little bit, actually, because <laughs> it's, it's been a tough time. Um, just a little bit, actually. Have you got any data on Hobbiton in New Zealand? Uh, no, it, I don't. Do we know how the Hobbits are faring in... Uh... <laughs> you want to buy a Hobbit hole. <laughs> Right, that's a that's a big drop though. Yeah, yeah, and they're still falling, so they haven't turned, mm. which is which is interesting. But sort of the big difference with New Zealand is the extent of how much like the weight of fixed rates. So fixed rates account for ninety percent of the market. Oh 90, wow! Yeah, 90%, ninety percent. I think ninety percent of the market's on a two year fixed rate. Mm. In Australia, that that blew up in COVID, but typically it's about thirty percent. You can think of as a being a normal level of normal share of fixed rate mortgages. So, you know, most of the market's on, on variable rates. Yeah. So because they had such a massive mar- fixed rate sort of market, when it, one of the first things central banks did during COVID is they they, they tanked fixed rates, mm. which, you know, we saw in Australia. But, yeah, like but that had a massive impact on New Zealand and New Zealand house prices boomed 40% on the yeah, way up. Okay. And so now that rates are rising, that that's that's unwinding and... Right, so they're so they've they're down eighteen percent or whatever mm. you said, but that's only down eighteen off the forty that they put on during COVID. Is that right? Yeah, or, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So right. they're still up like twenty five, thirty percent or something on pre COVID right. levels, which is probably about where Australia is. Okay, so no yeah. one's no one's pawning the one ring to rule them all anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, like, but the, so the, there's this fixed rate reset. So they've got a, you know, because we talk about the fixed rate reset in Australia, people coming mm. off those super cheap fixed rates back to higher variable rates. In RB, in New Zealand, it's like epic. So they're coming off rates of about two and up, 2.5% to now something north of 7%. Yeah, wow. And the RBNZ reckon that of the people doing the reset, an estimated 46% of those are facing the prospect of paying half of their after-tax income on interest payments. 
Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, so right. 50% of your after-tax income on interest payments. On, on your mortgage. Yeah, but with a really ugly tail because 13% of those are going to spend more than 70% on interest payments. Ah, what? Yeah. So I don't know how that ends. Mm. Like that's going to be that's going to be pretty bumpy. Yeah, I don't think that ends very well. I and I, I don't I like think when people have looked at the data for Australia, I don't, I've never seen anything quite that scary. So, mm. we interesting to. See. I know, but I guess, but like, because people bought at the peak, so they people who bought when they were up forty percent, they they mm. paid a lot. I mean, were they paying overs, or were they, was it just like will they return to that? sort of level anytime soon or is Not this just, like is this a temporary thing and they'll turn around like Australia's turning around or or is that kind yeah, of Yeah, I expect at some point but like I think I think the fixed rate reset's going to put further downward pressure on prices so I'd expect Kiwi prices to fall further before they turn around. Mm. Yeah. I mean and they're coming into recession like they've just just entered recession and the consumers mm. sort of buckling like yeah. there's there's not a lot to sort of drive prices forward from there. So yeah, so people who bought right at the peak yeah, that's they're the ones you know facing seventy percent of their income going on interest payments. Yeah, that's right. what. Yeah, all right. Well, Ouch. more mm. good news this week on CVE. <laughs> <laughs> Your home of good news and fun times. Uh, on that note, why don't we take a break here? We'll grab a word from this week's sponsor, and we'll be back looking again at remote work and the future of it, as well as what's happening with Netflix and their password sharing crackdown. Back with more right after this. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. You can send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. You'll also find us on Instagram and Facebook at CVE Podcast. Uh, but getting quick, because just a reminder, we are going on a couple of months hiatus at the end of next week. Next week will be our last show for a couple of months, but we will return. Thomas, I hear mm. Silicon Valley has gone sour on remote working. What's the scoop? Yeah, yeah. No, I've got a couple of pieces this week which caught my attention, but, mm. you know, we know about the CEOs, you know, calling off workers back to the office, Amazon, mm. Lyft, Uber, or like all the, all the tech companies are calling people back. We knew about that, but what we didn't know, which, which well, what I didn't know, which I've learned, is that the, the venture capitalists in the space have, have gone off funding for startups that are remote focused or remote first. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Keith Raboy um, is the general partner at Founders Fund, one of the mm. big VCs in, in Silicon Valley. Um, yeah, he's saying that they won't invest in a startup that's remote focused. Is that just because they're being more selective generally about where they're putting their money now? Like it's a, 
Mm. The, the free money's finished, you know, uh, quantitative easing's long gone. What do you call it? Money printing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're just having to be more careful and so they're just spending less? Or? No, I mean, I think like at, at that level, they they take a good look at the corporate culture and mm. governance, you know, unless it's a crypto firm, obviously, like <laughs> obviously. FTX, Spends. whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, you look at how the business is run, that's a big part of whether you choose to invest. Mm. Um, and yeah, what they're saying is that, you know, younger workers miss out on that, on the learning, you don't build a corporate culture and you, 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 you're really hamstringing yourself. And so, yeah, they just... Mm. They just don't invest in. I think in that's that. huge. I mean, I, I started work at my current job in during COVID, at the peak of COVID, and mm-hmm. that was really difficult to start at a new company. Um, uh, whether you're joining a company for the first time as a, as like a first, you know, you're starting mm. your work career, or you're just transitioning and joining a new company. If everyone's mm. remote, really hard. Like compared to where I'd started my previous job before that, mm. when, before COVID, where you know, you just kind of get in and everyone's around and you meet people and you say day, and you have the old story about the actual meeting happens before and after the, the meeting, uh, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it just, yeah, it, it really changes the dynamic and makes it a lot more difficult to start at a company, I think. So that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. To, to me, that says the tide has turned on work mm. from home. Even Sam, Sam Altman from OpenAI saying, yeah, the experiment is over, the work from home experiment's over. So we're all going back to the office full time. Is that what we're saying? Like th- that's where at we're le- headed? At least I think majority, like they're not, they're not saying that they don't fund like any, like any level of remote work. It's that mm. if they're remote only or remote focused, they don't, or, or remote first then right. they don't they don't invest in them. So like like I was thinking like when you know when Amazon calls everyone back I thought like, oh yeah you know they've got their existing practices it's mm. easier to it's easier to bring everyone back rather than change all your practices maybe that's what drives what's driving it. But well, here we ship talk- them back in it's a lot cheaper for Amazon too they've already got the infrastructure <laughs> they just send out a van to collect people. <laughs> <laughs> you get them in. You can get them in in four hours. It's it's yeah. no trouble for Amazon. They've already got the. They've already got the A system drone set just pulls up. you out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, but but for, for me, like if it if it's at the new company level mm. and. They're just that saying it's just they're not investing it. To me, that says that that it's that it's not viable. Like it's definitely mm. not viable. And if it's if this is the tech sector saying this, this is Silicon Valley. If it's not working in Silicon Valley, it's not going to work anywhere else. I think so. Or the rest of the world will follow. Will so follow why is lead. it not viable? Well, this is where I think what what Paul Graham, who's who co-founded Y Combinator, it's like oh, the yeah. big the big startup. They they did Airbnb and Stripe and a bunch of mm. others. He's saying that we we got fooled because we added remote work to existing corporate structures and to existing networks that had been built up through location-based work. Mm. And then you had, you had teams that were already working together who already knew each other, had already jammed out all that stuff. And then you, you sent that you made them remote and for a long while they just got on with doing what they were already doing and they were fine. Mm. And so, so you're saying remote work does work initially if you start with a system already healthy from in-person work. Ah, okay. Yeah. Whereas if like, you're building a new company and everyone's yeah. remote, then it's different story. You don't have yeah. all that to begin with. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you can't, and you can't build it if, yeah. you're remote, if you're remote only is, is what they're saying. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. And this is one of these cases where you realise dad was right all along. Like he, one he, of these cases, like there's a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he was he was saying this. He was he, he was saying for a while he couldn't see how remote 
working could continue. And I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, benefits to it. But, mm. um, yeah, he's saying you can't build a corporate culture and that's what's important. And mm. and I think and this is the recognition of that. So Silicon Valley's like going, yep, that's right. Is it just a corporate culture thing or is it a productivity thing as well? I, I read an interesting piece by Kevin Drum who who did like a meta-analysis and looked at all the studies that are out there and he mm. said that there's four, there's four bad things. Right. One is that remote is bad, work is bad for new hires and juniors in corporate culture. So that's the the point that mm. the Silicon Valley guys are main, making. Difficult to do team building days too, isn't it? Like you can't, it's very difficult to do paintball online. <laughs> <laughs> it's through Zoom. <laughs> Haven't you ever played Call of Duty? <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For some reason, people are much more willing to go paintballing than play Call of Duty. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So that so that's one. But so two is that um, that even the even workers aren't enjoying remote working, saying mm. that it causes different problems. I saw a, a, a study from McKinsey saying more people say complain about a hostile work environment when they're working from home than they do from the <laughs> office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can relate. Uh, when my yeah, kids are fully home, remote, it's not, 20, 20, not pleasant. Yeah, twenty nine percent of fully remote workers said a hostile work environment was a problem compared to twenty six for really in office workers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's they're talking about their relationships with their coworkers, surely. And I think that is true because it's know, yeah. you you miss out on just the little incidental stuff, you know, the, the sort of. The mm. g'days and ah, oh, what do you get up yeah, to? Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. you sort of you just land in a meeting with people when you're like, oh, we better start talking shop straight away. Mm. Um, and yeah, so yeah. it kind of can be more hostile because it's you kind of lose a lot of the pleasantries of, of yeah, being around yeah, people. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good stat. We, like, yeah, I mean, we had that stat a while ago and mm. about workers, you know, mental health problems through isolation, particularly mm. in tech. Yeah, so I think so. I think that's the thing. Yeah, and then there's sort of other studies which aren't aren't conclusive but sort of, sort of suggest that people work less, spend mm. less hours actually working and that productivity actually goes down. I've got a theory. Do you want to hear my theory? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a theory and I don't know whether this has been taken into account. We all want to point the finger at the big change during COVID which was remote work. But the big change that happened, remote work or otherwise, was the move to collaboration platforms like Teams and Slack. Ah. And my theory is that remote work or otherwise, work is so much more, so much less productive and more painful because of constant interruptions and constant connectedness with Ah. other people wherever they are, home, work, next to you, whatever, uh, little messages popping up ping, ping, all day, yeah. every day. And because I was reading this other story thing about time management and productivity and kind of going, you're more productive if you slow down and you kind of do less things at once. And mm. I think the big change that happened with COVID and work from home was the deployment of these collaboration tools to keep everyone yeah, connected. Right, right. Because it used to be that you'd be in a meeting and you were in a meeting. <laughs> now you're in a meeting and someone's like, hey, can you just talk to me about the document I just sent you? Can you review this thing? I want to chat, you know, and mm. and now you're trying to do three things. You're in the meeting, you might be trying to listen to that, you, you mm. might be working on something as well, and now someone else is asking you to do something. And those tools exploded at the same yeah, time that we right. sent everyone home. And we haven't, 
we haven't reined those tools back in. Right, right. Microsoft have done some stuff like they came up with a virtual commute to, you know, give people time in between finishing work and being <laughs> at home. <laughs> I don't know what people did in their virtual commute. They just sat in their office with some headphones on and stared at like, you remember that SBS train journey from Alice Springs to Darwin where yeah. they stuck a camera on for like 14 hours of train journey. Um, I don't know what it was. But uh, so we started to come up with wow. those kinds of solutions and focus time and all these sorts of things that no one respects. No one goes, mm. oh, uh, Adam's focusing. I won't bother him now. People just ping messages off all day, every day. And I get it. You can control the intake and whatever, but most people don't. And so mm, mm, to mm. me, that was a huge thing that changed. Yeah, right. At oh, the same time that we sent everyone home. Yeah, yeah. And we haven't rolled any of that back. We're not. And if, if we bring people back into the office, if we did do that and we did that on scale and on mass and bring everyone back, mm. then it would be interesting to see what happens with those tools and yeah. whether... I expect that they'll just continue being used, right? Because we need GIFs and memes in our workday, obviously, and you can't get that in a conversation. So, <laughs> did I, someone say productivity? Um, so, I don't know. I, that's mm. my that's my yeah, theory on, on why um, that maybe this isn't actually a work from work or work from home story at all. Mm. It's the introduction of tools that just bombard people all day, every day, wherever you mm. are. Mm. Yeah, well, it's another case of tech creating a problem by trying to solve a problem. Mm, true. So what's the solution? More tech. Just, someone, just, someone, yeah. Well, they <laughs> reckon more commutes. tech. Oh, we just got to stop it. Just stop <laughs> tech. All right, finally, Thomas on the show. Uh, earlier in the year, Netflix announced a crackdown on password sharing. Have you, how's that going? Yeah, well, I saw some interesting data uh, from Antenna this mm. week. Yeah, saying that so in the US, Netflix you know cracks down on password sharing on May 23rd, started mm. like pushing that out. And then what so the big question was what was going to happen? Were people just going to like log off and just tune out or cancel their subscriptions or whatever? But what happened was that they had the four biggest days of user acquisition. It's not what everyone on Reddit said. <laughs> 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 if you listen to Reddit, everyone was like, I'm leaving, that's it, Netflix. Mm. And all these people, you know, immediately are like, ah, it was rubbish anyway. They haven't had good content for years. So, uh, well, yeah, you, yeah. You, were, you were still subscribing. Yeah, right, yeah. that's interesting. Their biggest mm. four-day acquisition. Mm, mm. Yeah, so they had 100,000 signups a day. That was even bigger that like that. The last peak was right in the middle of COVID and it, for attempt for, you know, for couple of days it got up to 90,000. Yeah, so they, they've, they've eclipsed that record, right. crushed it. So Netflix would be happy then? I think they'd be stoked with that. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good result for them. I mean, they've also they introduced their, their ads version, which maybe people should, you know, just jumped over to that and said, oh, whatever, I'll just wear ads for a while. Mm. But, yeah, but I think, I think it's a good result. And I think, you know, they're rolling this out globally and mm. so I think they'll be like encouraged by that and they'll just keep pushing on. I was going to cancel my subscription off oh. the back of this, um, but then I found a show called I Think You Should Leave and <laughs> some of those things are the funniest sketches I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but also, look, I'm no hacker. I got an alert when they turned it on in Australia and it said, uh, hey, we're going to do this now, password crackdown. Uh, do you want to set up a household? And I went, no. 
<laughs> and I haven't seen anything since. And uh, I'm curious, unrelated, Thomas, is your Netflix still working? Uh, yeah, fun, funnily. <laughs> and, and totally unrelated. <laughs> totally unrelated. Your know. Netflix is working and my Netflix is mm. still working, which, you know, correlation is not equal causation. <laughs> but that suggests to me that something has either something hasn't taken effect yet. That's the thing, right? I think maybe that's it, is they announced it. There was a first the announcement that mm. we're going to do it. Mm. Then they said, hey, it's coming. You've got to set this up. And I think there's like a grace period, which maybe is why, because I went looking, as, as I do every week, Thomas, I researched the hell out of this show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I went looking to see what I could find out about the impact in Australia of this password crackdown. And there's really not much out there other than the initial mm. announcement and all the news articles around that. Mm, there's mm. nothing kind of that people are like up in arms about. And so mm. I'm just wondering if maybe it hasn't happened yet. Like maybe we're in this mm. grace period where it's like you've got to set up a household. I'm a th- I, sus- I suspect they're just – I, I wonder if it's just the same team rolling it out in each different country and they're just like, well, let's just see how we go in America first mm. and we'll, you know, we'll worry about little old Australia later. I don't, th- I don't think that's how – I don't think that's how Netflix are approaching it. I, I think well, I don't know. We're pretty small. Like I, I think they just <laughs> their worldwide deployment of the password cracking restrictions is some guy somewhere sitting there clicking next, next, finish <laughs> on, <laughs> on each country. I don't think that's a thing. Well, um, no, but they have to do it country by country, right? Yeah, like, of course. Because there's different yeah. the different settings or whatever in each country, and they did they did four countries first. They trialed mm. it. In four four countries and then now they're yeah. rolling it out globally. So they are doing it country by country, it mm. seems. But, yeah. yeah. I, don't know. I did have a look at Reddit. There's a couple of good comments. Uh, Justifiable said, it's a good thing I live, in double quotes, in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> he's, obviously, he's obviously rocking some sort of VPN setup. And that's, that's I think, uh, the, yeah, yeah. the large the Reddit response to it. Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a bit of chatter about running a VPN, like a mesh net or something like Tailscale to make all of like, if you and me join the same kind of virtual network and our, and our networks sort of get routed out through the same bit, then to Netflix, it looks like we're in the same household. So people are suggesting that might be a good uh, workaround. God, but I like complex. this, someone called supposedly at the zoo wrote, sure, but how do I get my grandma on my mesh net <laughs> if she uses a smart TV app for Netflix? Um, I don't know how you get your grandma on your mesh net. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that might be what Netflix is relying on. I think even yeah. if you set up a mesh yeah, net. Yeah, you just got to put a little bit of friction in that system and biggest ever yeah. user acquisition on record. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why don't we leave it there? Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you tune in next week for our final episode for a couple of months. Uh, as I say, if you have been enjoying the show, why not share this episode with a friend? Uh, or if you particularly enjoyed the last one, as a lot of people seem to, then why not share that one? We don't care. Share any episode you like as long as it's one of ours. Uh, But that's it for us for this week. Uh, From Thomas and me, it is bye for now. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. 
This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.